who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings! This is John Richter, creator and showrunner for Transmissions from Colony One. You know, as fulfilling as it is to make this show, it can be a bit daunting to handle this production by myself, hence the seven-year hiatus between seasons three and four. And as a way to help keep the lights on in Colony One, we have a Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash tfcomarspod to subscribe today. Now, what's in it for you? The TFCO Patreon has two tiers. The $2 Mechti Flight Control Staff level gives you access to exclusive extra content, including season outtakes, concept art, a personalized thank you in the show notes and episode for myself, and more. If that sounds good to you, but you still want the full TFCO experience. Become a MechD crew member for only $5 a month. You get everything at the $2 level, but you also get access to original music from the show, a special recap episode of the season 4 episode you just listened to in both audio and video form, future production diaries, and more. Also, no matter which tier you sign up at, every couple of months I will provide a poll to see what kind of additional content you would like to receive on the TFCO Patreon. We only move forward together, so I'd love to hear from all of you. Again, that's patreon.com slash tfcomarspod to subscribe at the $2 or $5 level, and I'll see you on Mars. Well, hello. This is John Richter, creator and showrunner for Transmissions from Colony One, and before Season 4 launches, I thought I'd give you guys a much-needed recap. So, here we go. Season 3 starts on December 31st, 2056, introducing us to the crew of Mechti 2 led by Commander Tim Conrad, as they prepare to launch from Earth orbit to Mars. 
Suddenly, their ship's power is partially knocked out of commission and all communication from space station Hercules and Earth is gone. Not only that, but when they lose power, over half of their crew dies immediately. As the surviving crew members try to fix their ship and take care of the bodies of their fallen colleagues, they hear a transmission from Ethan Reese, Capcom for MechD1, calling Mars to tell them of PEM 23-238429, a high-level report of a gamma-ray burst that has struck Earth. Later, crew members Luke Hache, Kaya's main squeeze, and Lisa Conrad, Tim Conrad's wife, are on the outside of the ship conducting repairs when Lisa accidentally drifts away beyond Luke's reach. Tim orders Luke to retrieve her, but despite his efforts, Luke is unsuccessful and Lisa is lost. This causes something in Tim's head to snap, as he holds Luke personally responsible for his wife's death. Using their fusion-propelled engines, mech 2 launches for Mars. Weeks later, mech 2 arrives in Martian orbit and tries calling mech 1 but to no avail. They prepare for landing in their ship dubbed the Tarantula, but Luke reveals that the release valves that keep their lander locked to the rocket will not release, leaving them stuck. As they try to assess the situation, they witness the aftermath of the Olympus Mons eruption and fear the worst, until Kaya calls them back and brings brings them up to speed on everything. Not able to land their MMLHV Tarantula, the crew attempts the first skydive on another planet, using an abort capsule to breach the atmosphere, then parachute to the surface. The crew jump out of the abort capsule, hurtling towards a Martian surface. As Luke attempts to exit the capsule, Tim fires one of the capsule's thruster engines, shooting Luke and the capsule away to near certain death, as payback for his failure with Lisa. After landing on the surface, they unite with the surviving members of mech one and Kaya freaks the funk out when hearing that Luke didn't make it. He did. Tim Conrad takes control of the mission, vowing to build Colony 1 no matter what, and secretly tells his minions Connor and Vasily that he's not going to tolerate any delays or insubordination. MechD2 crew member Vasily Koskov now starts to wonder if he backs the wrong horse in becoming a close supporter of a paranoid psychopath like Tim Conrad, but things will get worse before they get better. Also Luke is retrieved, alive and well, which immediately increases everyone's suspicion about their new leader. Eight months pass, and Colony 1 is nearly complete, though it has not been an easy road. Chloe Hook, mission surgeon, is starting to get a bit exhausted with constantly patching up her crew due to work-related injuries, with Kaya Osen's amputated finger the latest in a long list of medical issues to address. We also find out that Abby Murdoch is pregnant, which will definitely complicate matters, as Commander Tim Conrad forbade any pregnancies until Colony 1 was built, and the greenhouse that Nada has been tending to for months provides sustainable food. Abby chooses to keep the pregnancy a secret from everyone, including her baby's father, Walter Langston. Why? Imagine if you got pregnant on Mars. How would you react? Sam begins to voice the discontent of the crew to Tim, who sees the progress made in building Colony 1 as worth the pains. Sam tries to convince Tim to ease up on the crew some, but the paranoid Tim Conrad does not stand for this, and uses threats from himself and his main lieutenant Connor Nye to keep Sam in line. MechD1 astronauts Orlando DeLuca and Jennifer Simmons, who are a bit of an item now, become more vocal in their discontent. As a means to get them out of his hair, Tim orders Orlando and Jennifer to a long-range EVA over 2,300 kilometers away into the maze-like depths of the Tartarus Montez mountain range to retrieve a supply capsule that was blown way off course years ago. Attempting to move on eight months after the loss of his wife, Tim looks to woo Nada Moritsev, who still mourns her departed husband Fedor. Tim's advances are immediately rejected. Meanwhile, Chloe talks Pete Ross down from confronting Tim and his cronies. Most of the crew is 
feeling the same level of discontent, and a breaking point is coming more and more near. In Tartarus Montes, Orlando and Jennifer crash their rover, leaving them stranded in the mountains. Orlando sends a distress call back to Colony 1, pleading for help. Tim gives Orlando and Jennifer up as lost and discourages any ideas for a rescue mission, but despite Tim's orders, plans for a rescue mission take shape anyway. However, in the paranoid mind of Tim Conrad, this was expected, and he moves to stop any attempts to go against his orders, even sabotaging the rovers and forcing the crew to stay inside Colony 1. Tim tells his crew that he will not allow any insubordination or mutiny while he is in charge, and puts all the blame for their discontent on Sam Flynn for never being the leader he was supposed to be. Still drowning in the guilt from killing his crewmate Andrew Wood in Season 2, Sam accepts being Tim's target, and under threat of Tim, calls Orlando and Jennifer to let them know there will be no rescue mission, and that they will be left to die. A memorial service for Orlando and Jennifer is held outside of Colony 1, without the attendance of Tim, Connor, and Vasily, and several members of the crew suggest a mutiny. For the time being, Sam discourages this. Unfortunately, Tim had Connor and Vasily plant bugs in the comm systems in everyone's spacesuits. He can hear everything they're saying. He orchestrates a mission to send Connor to the ruins of Mekti-1's Wasp spacecraft with Paul and Alina and to, quote, make it look like an accident. Orlando and Jennifer accept their fate and pass away together. Due to recent events, Vasily is struggling mightily with his allegiances, knowing that he is now supporting a madman. He knows he is approaching a crossroads. Back in Colony 1, Tim tries to be friendly to his crew, but it backfires significantly. Kaya outright attacks Tim herself, only to be brushed to the side. Realizing how this looks and that he's basically lost his crew for good, Tim stumbles away, only to find Nada. In a last-ditch effort to connect with anybody, Tim again tries to put the moves on Nada, who again rejects him, and then Tim snaps, taking this rejection and all of his own insecurities out on Nada by strangling her. Luckily, Abby Murdoch catches him and gets him to let Nada go before he kills her. Incensed, Tim calls Connor and gives the secret order Anzu. Connor accepts this order and promptly executes Mekti-1 crew member Lena Torres. Connor then attacks Paul, pushing a piece of wreckage onto him and leaving Paul for dead while reporting a fake distress call about Paul and Alina's death before returning. With news of Alina's death, Mekti-2 crew member David Stern, who was in a romantic relationship with Alina Torres, loses it and confronts Tim, only to be physically beat down. Connor returns and tells Tim that he's accomplished his mission of killing Paul and Alina. Seeing this as the straw that broke the camel's back, Sam finally joins the others and secretly calls for a mutiny. Though again, Tim is listening in and announces he knows of a planned mutiny and blames Sam. Sam steps forward and accepts all responsibilities and consequences in exchange for the safety of everyone else. Tim condemns Sam to death. But as Tim gives the order to take Sam to the airlock, Paul Kirsch returns to Colony 1, immediately dismissing Connor's fake distress call. At this moment, Vasily and Sam launch their mutiny. Tim flees the command center, heading to Colony 1's greenhouse to make his last stand. As Paul Kirsch enters Colony 1, he faces Connor Nye, who attacks the Mech-D1 pilot. Connor breaks both of Paul's knees in the fight and is about to kill him until Mech-D2 astronaut Nicole Snow comes to the rescue and subdues Connor. Tim steals a scalpel from the medical bay and is heading to the greenhouse, but is confronted by Mech-D1 astronaut Pete Ross, who Tim stabs in the gut. In the greenhouse, after months of work, sprouts are finally appearing, a milestone on Colony 1's road to self-sufficiency. Tim enters the greenhouse, where he finds David Stern, who is still mourning his girlfriend Alina Torres. David and Tim fight, with Tim overpowering David and viciously killing David in the process. Kaya and Luke intervene, albeit a bit late, and Tim is about to finally get his wish of killing Luke, but Sam appears, and in an attempt to subdue Tim, depressurizes the greenhouse. Luke and Kaya are saved, and Tim is subdued. In the medical bay, Paul and Pete are 
are treated for their wounds. Nicole Snow, incensed with the news of her best friend David Stern's death, grabs Tim's scalpel and is about to attack him until Abby Murdoch breaks the tension by announcing her pregnancy to everyone. Later, several members of the crew want Tim and Connor tossed out of the airlock immediately, but Tim correctly points out that Sam has already exhibited the same level of danger by killing Andrew and by depressurizing the greenhouse, killing all the sprouts that they worked so hard to produce, and that he has just as much reason to go out the airlock as Tim and Connor. Sam admits Tim is right and tries to figure out if anybody should lead the mission now. It is at this point that Chloe Hook, reaching her limit with cleaning up after everyone's fights and injuries, gives an impassioned speech for everyone to stop killing each other, stop attacking each other. She points out that they are the last remnants of the human race and were selected to be the best representatives of that human race. And if they are killing each other like this, what does that say? Meanwhile, Walter and Abby are in the observatory, gazing at objects in the sky while discussing a future with a baby on Mars, when they locate a strange object beyond the orbit of Saturn. This object ends up being C-2033A2, the comet that was aimed for Earth necessitating the existence of Mekti. But Walter finds out this comet has a new trajectory, Mars. As Chloe finishes her plea, Vasily freaks out, seeing a transmission received from Edwards Air Force Base north of Los Angeles. The transmission is from Mekti-1 crew member Rachel Yoshida, who announces that she has made it back to Earth and that there are survivors. And that brings us all up to speed on transmissions from Colony 1. What do our friends on Mars do about this comet? How are there survivors from a gamma ray burst? What about Fedor, who launched to Earth with Rachel back in Season 2? All of those questions, and more, will be answered in Season 4, coming next week. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on Mars. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.